This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Did you know Specialty Produce isn't just open for shopping? For groups of six or more, we offer a more in-depth experience that guides our guests through our fruit and vegetable museum, sharing the story of fruits and vegetables that we've discovered through extensive travel and research. Tour guests will also be introduced to our warehouse and get to taste some of our seasonal favorites. Book your specially produced experience today. Hi there, and welcome to the Living Local with Edible San Diego podcast. My name is Katie Stokes, and as publisher of Edible San Diego, I wanted to welcome you to a new and important conversation. San Diego County really is a global crossroads, and when you think about it, it's true all the way down to even our very own bodies. In this podcast, we're going to take this concept of we are what we eat, and we're going to unpack it together. We're going to look at what local is, how it works, why it matters. My goal is to create a conversation which is inclusive, dynamic, and one that enriches our everyday life. So I wanted to welcome you to this new conversation, Living Local with Edible San Diego, and to thank Specialty Produce for producing this podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Katie Stokes, publisher of Edible San Diego, and I am so excited to be here with Trevor Bowles, who is Mr. Beverage Extraordinaire. Wow! You know that's a that's a title. It, you <laughs> know, I, I've been I've been I've just been in awe of your background and your knowledge. And I, um, when I first met you, I mean, I will always remember those those jars hanging at Dickinson Farm with, with our whiskey in them, yeah. and it was. It was so unexpected and so creative. I, I just I, I love that memory. It was it was really fun. I think that's like one of the best parts about my job is the the creative process. And if we can ever include guests into that, to where it's like, oh my gosh, like you're you're hand picking, you know, maker's mark bourbon off of a tree and then being part of that like cocktail experience, I think is it was magical. Awesome. Yeah, you oh, know, I'm happy to enjoy that. And then very interactive. We'll talk later about the rest of that cocktail, how we got to kind of like help make it ourselves. It was such fun. But I I've been so looking forward to talking with you, you know, because with Edible San Diego, we're all about local and celebrating, you know, those unique ingredients here in San Diego County that that we all love and, and that there's always something new to learn about. Yeah. And um honestly I, I know less about beverages and and you know cocktails for example then um then i know about just kind of cooking for everyday consumption i'm not a gourmet cook i am not for sure you'll you'll hear about that later in my cooking tip at the end of the podcast but um but you know um the whole area of of beverages and and cocktails is is an area that I, i really don't know as much about and so i've been excited to bring you on to give our listeners some some perspective, some examples, maybe some inspirations or Love it. tips. Yeah, totally. So, oh, yeah, all about that. It's really it's really exciting. So, um, you know, since we're we're edible San Diego, I, I wondered if you might um, delve back into your memories and and share with us any any memories you have from when you were little about about food or gardening or cooking and. Just yeah. whatever, whatever was in your early life. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my grandparents were incredibly um, influential in that. Um, I think that 
in my immediate family, we kind of, we ate out a lot. Mm-hmm. And then, so I think it was a really special thing to go visit my grandparents. My grandpa lives in Hawaii and going to visit him, we would go pick key limes off of trees and he taught me how to make key lime pie. Wow. And the process of, of juicing was very like fascinating to me to go at like an age of about like 10 years old and to go and like pick limes and then be able to, to juice them and then pour it really, really slowly into the condensed milk and, and make that key lime and, oh. and be, and then like grade a little bit of that skin on for like a garnish. Right. That was one of those first moments of, it was very, um, 11 Madison and park of like, make it nice. Mm-hmm. It was like that moment of like, Whoa, if we put a little bit of like this garnish on top, we can really make it nice. Right. And then my uh, grandma in her backyard, um, she had chickens and like a really small farm. So it was a really cool thing to, um, my memory of like ants on a log of like peanut butter on celery um, is <laughs> ants, like celery from like the backyard of grandma's house. Wow. That's, yeah. I had forgotten that term ants on a log. I thought it was like from some cookbook when I was like in elementary school. Yeah. That the raisins on the, on the absolutely, peanut butter. And you, oh my gosh. I haven't thought about that in years. That's, it's actually the, the worst cocktail I think I've ever made was I tried <laughs> to recreate ants on a log. And I did celery infused gin, and then I also did a peanut butter fat washed like ingredient as well, and then oh, did like, wow. and then you always have like this really interesting like raisin flavor that's uh-huh. going to be like in different kinds of like sherry. Okay, so I was like able to take some of that and then added it all together, and I was like, this is going to be brilliant, and it was awful. And it was so <laughs> I think sometimes when you try to create a cocktail, you want to base it off of a really interesting childhood memory because that's when our memories really kind of take hold and they take root. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it sometimes it just needs to stay in our childhood and, yes. and on a plate. You know, it, it doesn't always work, you know, but we have to try. It's, yeah. That, that's oh, the, creative, the creative spirit. I love that. So, you know, um, about celery, you know, I've, uh, I've grown it a few times, but, you know, honestly, I've bought it, you know, much more, you know, either at a grocery store or um, more recently at, at farmer's markets whenever I can. And the flavor difference... Of when you have grown that celery at home. Oh, it's insane. Is It's like it's almost a different plant. It's yeah. like a dark green. There's just more of that celery flavor. Totally. You know, and it, th- sometimes it's more fibrous, but I mean, that's part of the fun of it's that crunch, you know, yeah. when you bite into it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really excited. So I've never grown celery myself until about three weeks ago. I did a volunteer shift at the Ecology Center in Encinitas, mm-hmm. and we like hoed the land and we then we also we planted celery seeds so now i've been going and volunteering every saturday and every single time i'm like is it is it planting is it there is like can we and then you know that just started so we went this past week um and you just start to see a little bit of green how exciting i'm I'm thrilled yeah i i love it um because it it actually has a natural saltiness to it which isn't isn't present in a lot of vegetables and just between the crunch and the the flavor is just one of my my favorite dynamic right yeah and it burns yeah. calories, right? Isn't there a negative amount? We to can it? hope, you know, that it, it, it has so much fiber that yeah. when we eat it, we're actually ahead of the game, right? Part, I have to have more celery. That sounds wonderful. Celery I'm, and Maker's Mark cocktails will be. <laughs> I'm going to go home and make ants on a log and yeah. think about you. That is so cute. I love it. I love it. Did you get, did you, am I the only one who's like elementary school had a, um, you know, that kind of cookbook where everyone went home and had to collect a recipe from grandma or grandpa and then. We all contributed it, and then it, it was like those kind of spiral-bound kind of things. Yes. Did you do that at your school? So we did that, but I think the best version I saw of that was my mom made a family cookbook. So oh. she pulled different recipes from like my aunts and then from my grandparents and then went through like the different cousins. And I think for me when I was growing up uh, in college, I loved to like make omelets mm-hmm. Um you know, for any other kind of like experience, it was like, oh, like Trevor's like randomly like Sunday morning omelets and <laughs> all of those recipes were in there. And that was a, a really kind of like special thing. But I think growing up and um, I was originally uh, listening to Richard Blyless 
and he was talking about how to get his kids to eat mm-hmm. and right. And it's just including them in the process. Right. So right. I think the more that we can actually like include young people in this process of, of cooking, all of mm-hmm. a sudden we can get them back to eating vegetables and hopefully off of TikTok and all of that. Right. You know, and even for those of us who aren't kids, I, I find um, one of my favorite things to do is invite some people over and just cook together. Yeah. You know? And even cooking in air quotes, because it doesn't always have to be an elaborate process that involves ovens and barbecues. I mean, all that's really fun. But sometimes just gathering together and, and making a really simple um, salad or yeah. charcuterie board, whatever you have in the fridge or the pantry is like, you right. know, it doesn't have to be complex, but it's it's really um, – I mean, it's nice. It's kind of like what we were saying before we got started. You know, time can kind of slow down. Yeah. You can kind of relax and then, you know, share stories. And um, it, it just can be really simple. And um, that's, that sounds like a really special cookbook that your mom put together. Yeah. No, it's incredible. She's also been a huge influence. And, and I think seeing her culinary changes, she's recently gone um, vegan as well. Um, so she's, you know, all of a sudden we're, we're having these moments that I think most people have in their childhood where now we're cooking together more now as an adult than, you know, we ever did before when I was growing up. So I that's, love that. Yeah, it's incredible. There's so much to learn. And uh, our vegan content on our on our website and social media has some of the highest engagement of, of all of our content because, you know, whether you eat plants only or are just trying to improve your, your um, lifestyle in general – um, the world of, of vegan and plant forward information is it's it's a resource for everybody. Yeah. You know, there's there's maybe vegetables you haven't tried before or ways to prepare them that you've never tried before. Totally. And it's it's inspiring. We get all we get all jazzed about it at Edible San Diego because the you know, the one of the greatest advantages of, of the region that we're lucky enough to live in here oh, is the year round growing season and we, we do ha- we do have seasons of the year. But still, it's possible to eat fresh, locally grown vegetables and fruits year round. Year round. Yeah, it's How incredible. amazing is that? Yeah, you know? we're so fortunate for that. Yeah, I love that. I really do. It's it's one of the most special things about about living here. Um, speaking of which, I know from what we talked about before that you were born and raised in San Diego. Yeah, born and raised. But so tell us about you know kind of your history here in our region. For sure. Um, so born and raised in Claremont, and I started working restaurants when I was thirteen. I think I was on my very first date ever. And uh, my parents gave me some money to like go to lunch and then go to a movie on the weekend. And I took this girl and we went to this uh, restaurant, um, Dino's Euros in Claremont, still there, which is like amazing. That's I've, cool. I've never worked at a restaurant that's closed, which is, I don't, mm, yeah. That's, I think, a, that's really, you have a good, like a good criteria when you pick restaurants. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, even like Timeless. So uh, <gasps> I bust my own table after like we had lunch and the owner ran over and she said, no one does that your age. Do you want a job? And I've always just been a very, like, positive, like, yes person. I was like, yeah, sure. And she was like, well, you know. And then so that was, like, my first job. And I worked there until I was a senior in high school and was wow. managing it. And, yeah, it was, a, it was an amazing process. And then I thought I hit it big time because I got a job at Applebee's. <laughs> and that was, like, the it restaurant in Claremont. Sure. This was, yeah, this was a while ago. And that was, you know, it was a hip thing. You to, were moving on up. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was um, a very big deal. And at the same time, I moved to Little Italy. And I was walking around and it was when Ben Cotto first opened uh, and I went and had lunch there and I was just blown away. I had wow. never tasted something like that, especially not at Applebee's. Right. Um, and I, I didn't know that I was speaking to the owner, but I said, you know, I, I'm the hardest working person you'll ever hire. And like, I would love a job here. And I, he was like, yeah, we're not, we're not hiring. Like I was a very energetic, everyone else that worked there was Italian. Uh, and then, so I wrote my number on a napkin and said, you know, please call me. I'll be your hardest working employee. 
And about two hours later, I get a phone call and he says, okay, you're coming back tonight and you're going to be hosting and please have better shoes on than you did when you came and had lunch here. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was there for, um, for about three years and then went to manage with consortium. Mm-hmm. So I was a GM at neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was just an amazing opportunity. I mean, such an institution in San Diego, they're yeah. closed right now. They're about to uh, reopen. I'm very excited for that kind of like rebirth of, right. of neighborhood. Right. And I got an opportunity to move to San Francisco mm-hmm. um, and manage some restaurants up there. And then that's kind of where I really fell in love with cocktail culture and also just farmers markets in general. Huh. And just the, the, the scene of, being local in San Francisco was on a whole nother level. Yes. It's also a, a very different grind where you're living with five people in a very small house. And wow. I very felt that. And I was thrilled to come back home and opened Soda and Swine and Liberty Station. So mm-hmm. came back with Consortium nice. and then was their general manager. And then kind of moved around, got on the sales side of liquor, um, and then was fortunate enough to kind of weave the path to end up with Maker's Mark mm-hmm. um, as their local diplomat. And it's been a total, a complete blessing to, to work with this company now. How exciting. Yeah. Sorry. That was, that no. was a autobiography. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's fascinating. It's, you know, it's, it's partly, you know, in a way, part of the culinary history of San Diego as it was growing and evolving. Yes. And we, we, all of us, we are going through life and we, we we know what we know at a certain age, and we try something new, and then then after a while, we're ready for something else beyond that. Totally. And like you know, when you're describing how you were in San Francisco, you know, sometimes um, we gain a perspective when we go away from home that sheds a different light on where we're from, and totally. we kind of evolve. And and you know, that's that's kind of a neat story. And then you bringing back all that experience yeah. back to your hometown. Totally, it was amazing when I came back. It was. Um, Juniper and Ivy had opened and also Ironside had opened while I was gone. And when I came back, I was just like, what are these restaurants that yeah. have like, haven't existed in San Diego? And it was just really, really incredible to come home and, and you know, n- knew that I kind of grew up a little bit in San Francisco and mm-hmm. I made some changes and it was really nice to come home and be like, wow, San Diego's also really grown up in this, you know, the time that I was gone. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it's so dynamic right now, but if you, if you had to think about it, Trevor, how, how would you characterize the, the culinary scene or the, the beverage scene in San Diego County as, as compared to other places? Because you travel a lot. I know yeah. you do. And I know you're biased because you're a hometown guy. But, you know, if we had to try and distill, pardon the pun, yeah. if we had to try and, you know, kind of identify what's really unique about um, the food and beverage scene here, how, how would you describe that? For sure. I, I think that we're, we're really, really good at, at copying trends in different cities. We're like, we're really, really good at kind of like taking what's already been done and kind of elevating it or putting our San Diego spin on it. I think that a lot of companies that have done well out of San Diego are now you're starting to see a lot of them kind of come here. Um, like Cafe Gratitude comes to mind. You're seeing a lot of things that are, you know, we're successful way. And then they're kind of seeing the potential that San Diego has. And then they're right. coming in kind mm-hmm. of like rising that ability. Um, I think I've compared San Diego before to like someone that's like, in their freshman year in college when you think you like have it figured out, but really have a lot longer and you're still trying to like figure out like what major you should go into. Right. And sometimes you still party too much. And sometimes you're like, no, I really want to be a professional. Yeah. Like, Oh, James Beard, please take me seriously. Right. right and it's right. like, we have these moments of, of we're on the verge of, of adulthood, but uh-huh. we're still, there's a really beautiful element of play in San Diego. Um, I think some people say that that's, a bit of its downfall, but mm. I love that there's a really light energy and casualness mm-hmm. where you have these really beautiful restaurants that you can walk in and you can still go in sandals. And I think when, you know, when born and raised first opened mm-hmm. and I think there was a certain kind of dress code, but it was, you know, after time it was 
like you can feel comfortable and you can you know go there for happy hour and you can be in sandals and the hospitality is still beautiful and it's still elevated right um but there's this element of this casualness in san diego that i i kind of hope that it doesn't ever grow out of Mm -hmm. but maybe just the surrounding scene continues to elevate Mm -hmm. and what about the the kind of the the farm to table scene here you know i i often think about the ways that San Diego County is unique in that regard. And yeah. we have we have the beautiful hills, the Chaparral Hills, and and then we have the cities and the suburban areas, and then we have the agricultural areas and uh, a strong tradition of farming Absolutely. Um, and fishing and other kinds of uh, productive activities here in the region. But um, is that part of your of your sense of San Diego, like what makes us unique? Yeah, it, it wasn't until, until fairly recently, hmm. right? And I think that a really cool you know documentary for those that want to try to Netflix at home is um, rotten. So there's one of the shows that are on there that actually focuses on on San Diego farming right. in general. And you see how far back it goes. Right. And that was very, very eye-opening. Yep. Um, but I think there's also places in, in San Diego that are making it a little bit more transparent. I think a lot of people claim to be farm-to-table mm-hmm. um, as like a trend or just something to throw on as a hashtag. Right. Um, but you also have people um, – I think Royal, you know, that's incredible family run and they also have Nopalita Farms. Mm -hmm. And so you have somewhere that's like that, that when they say seasonal vegetables, that came from their farm. When that cocktail is incredible, like delicious and bright and layered, that came from their farm. And and that kind of conversation when, you know, I think you've, you know, I've seen the owners like roll in, they're literally washing dirt off their hands and bringing in produce. Mm -hmm. And that's just, it's really, really, really heartwarming. Yeah. And I think you're starting to see more of things like that. Um, also, Garden Kitchen mm-hmm. near San Diego State is yep. just breathtaking. Yeah. Um, in my in my current whiskey business years, um, you know, I I drink whiskey professionally, mm-hmm. so I think. Wow, um, that's kind of a cool thing to be able to say. I drink whiskey, whiskey professionally. professionally. <laughs> yeah. So I think sometimes <laughs> I'm when jealous. it's jealous. Yeah. <laughs> so I think sometimes when it's when it's personally, um, I tend to, um, you know, I'll go to places that that don't have a liquor license, and I can just. Go and like have a nice glass of wine and an amazing meal and garden right. kitchen's like one of my favorite places to do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, as I've um I, I'm new, you know, relatively new to San Diego, I've only been here twenty years. You know, I'm I'm, well, I'm yeah. from LA and uh uh and so um you know, as I as I look around, you know, the world is changing so fast and San Diego is a very global region. We have corporations yeah. here from all over the world and the freeways and the airports and and the tourism and everything and um and yet, you know, I think the the proximity of of as many farms as we have make it so that the restaurants and, and those of us who like to shop at farmer's markets and, and all have, have more opportunities maybe to, to get things that were just picked the other day yeah. than, than in some other cities around the country. So it's, it's really a, a kind of a, a gift, I think, about living here. Definitely. And I think regard. that, I mean, you know, to give a, a shout out to especially produce as, you know, we're sitting in this amazing warehouse. They've been a big partner of that too, yep. right? Where they have that entire space of just local. Yep. And that's really great that, you know, whether you're a normal consumer coming off the street, you can be able to shop there. Um, or if you're a restaurant, you really want to focus on that. And the local and the seasonality, you know, specialty produce has really been that in-between piece to kind of bring all those together. Yes, it's so true. And, and there's really uh, a lot to um, a lot to learn about the resources that exist around um, San Diego County for folks, whether you're a business or a, a family living here. And of course, that's part of why Edible San Diego is, exists is to provide yeah. that in, that information, that inspiration on an ongoing basis. So it's it's just it, it's it's what motivates us. You know, the, the, it's really inspiring inspiring work. It's clear. Um, I mean, when I when I read the magazine, it's you know, it is inspiring when you look at anything you. from the visual to the the way that it's like written. It's it's so. I think when you, like a chef puts out a meal, you can just tell that there's love in it. I feel the same way when I when I pick up edible. Thank and you I, very I, much. Like that's 
Thank you. I, I, I always praise our, our writers and our editors. They are, their heart is in their work, like what you're describing. And, yeah. and they work, they work very hard and very proud of them. And, and, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we drive a lot of, of, of joy from the work. You know, we always call it good work, you know, because it's hard, but it's good. It's worthwhile yeah. well, and that. it's important and it makes a difference in the it's world. It's like farming. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and making a good cocktail. Speaking of which, yeah. um, so educate me, Trevor. So um, what, what's, a, what's, what's Cocktail 101? What does it take for a cocktail to be good? You have to have Maker's Mark in it. That's about it. That's the only <laughs> Okay, we're uh, done. Cool. Yeah, perfect. Thank you for your time. Um, uh, I think it's all about balance. Okay. Right. And it's about balance and not necessarily complexity. So um, a very traditional, you know, we'll say whiskey sour is going to be, you know, two ounces of, you know, your base spirit. Uh, and then you're going to have a sweetener and then you're also going to have something with like an acidity to it. I think that's a really great way to kind of start. Huh. And you find your equalness of acidity and then you find your equalness of sweetness. Now, acidity can come from so many different things, right? It doesn't have to just be lime or lemon. You can have these really interesting acidity. I think there's also like some spicy food that gently has like acidity in it, huh. right? And then sweetness can come from so many different things, right? right? It doesn't have to just be sugar. It can be this, you know, pineapple or guava. It can be so many different things. Wow. Um, I think there's even like when we talked about celery, right? The complexity of celery, there's definitely a gentle sweetness in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So I think that when you look at that, it, it's so much more about – um, about that level of balance. Even if you have an old-fashioned, right, you have something, a very strong spirit and a lot of it, and then you have, like, this sugar cube to add a little gentle sweetness. And then rather than acidity, we have something that's, like, bitters, right? So now you're balancing bitterness, sweetness, while you're elevating essential, like, spirit. Wow, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's not unlike an approach you would take to uh, what goes into good salad dressing that, or oh, a yeah, good absolutely. sauce or, you know— um, uh, almost anything, as I think about it, that that's really uh, a neat concept. But I, I'm not sure I'd feel confident in mixing my own drinks yet. I, I know when I drink one if I like it or not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so that's a, that's a start. Um, I, remind, which reminds me of you know that um, that cocktail that you prepared um, for that dinner at at Dickinson Farm a few months ago, where it was these gorgeous mason jars that were artfully hanging from an arbor, and they had whiskey in them, right? Yep. Okay, so that was the first That was the first element. Yep. And then tell our listeners about the second interactive portion of that cocktail because it was a blast and it was delicious. Yeah, for sure. It was, it was, a, it was a blast to make. It was um, – so we basically took um, a little bit of citric acid and then also local honey, and then we took okay. watermelon from Dickinson Farm, um, basically blended that all up together, and then set it in an ice mold. Okay. So it popped out and there was a little Maker's Mark logo on that. So it almost looked like you're being handed like visually like a bar of soap. It did look like a bar yeah, of soap. Yeah, right? we were like, Like what? very unappetizing. <laughs> no, then, we were just – we were, you know, intrigued. Right. And then um, so you opened your mason jar and then you put this um, this bar in your drink. But it had your water. It had your acidity. It had your sweetness right. in this. And then when that room temperature whiskey hit this frozen piece that you put inside your mason jar, you sealed it. And when you started shaking it, you had a cocktail there. Yeah. So all of a sudden, what we had everyone at the table that was now shaking their own cocktail. It was such fun. And it, I, I, and I love that element of just the joy of seeing it. I think, you know, I think some people just bartend because they love shaking cocktails. <laughs> right? I think Tom Cruise might be one of those people <laughs> right. who just accepted that role. He's like, oh, this is going to be a great opportunity for me to show off some biceps. Some just people shake. just look really good when they shake cocktails. They really, you know? Yeah, just, I'm, uh... I'm not one of those people. I always <laughs> tell people, like, the key is just to, like, smile, right? Smile <laughs> while you're doing it. And then that's like. Other people look like it's a very strenuous workout. Um, <laughs> so yeah, then we were able to open up this jar, and then you had a full cocktail there for you that you know you you know put your heart and soul into shaking and, and making it 
happens. It was it was such a memorable experience. And now that you talk about balance, I can remember what it tasted like and how all of the elements were there. But just the the unexpectedness of of the fun. It's like it's like we got to be kids. Like like you got some kind of bizarre assignment from the teacher, and you you were going to follow directions and do it, and you didn't know where it was going to oh, go. And then that. not that it was bad. It was just <laughs> no, like whoa, great. what's no, happening? That's... And then and then but you know I love mason jars. They remind me of like the preserves that my grandmother and my mom used to make uh, way back when. So it's like okay, put this thing that looks like a bar soap in this jar and and shake. <laughs> And then it was it was like nectar. I oh, mean, and it, the sun you. was going down, and it was it, just, that was a gorgeous day. It too. was amazing. It was... So I will always remember that cocktail. And um, I think the uh, you know the the fact that 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 watermelon came from like right there at the farm, yeah. a few feet from where we were sitting, just made it really special. So that's a good segue to um, I wanted to touch on some of the the farms that you have relationships with here yep. in San Diego County, and in particular, a very special event which is coming up soon. And um, you know um, we're gonna try and get this podcast out on the air before the event happens Great. to, you know, help promote it. But, but also to, you know, I, I wanted people to, to, to meet you, to learn more about cocktails and to have information that they can keep with them forever, you know, about, about these kinds of things. So awesome. thanks. Tell thanks us for having a, me. Oh, of course. So tell us about a little bit about your relationship with Dickinson farm and other farms and, and this wonderful event. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Dickinson farms is like, I always tell people it's one of my favorite places just to be in San Diego. It's this gorgeous house and old Victorian style and you walk behind it. It's just this beautiful garden. Um, and I, I highly recommend going online because I feel like I never do it justice. But Stephanie and, and Mike's story is just breathtaking and what yep. they're doing for the community is amazing. Uh, so I'm planning this event that's going to happen on International Women's Day on March 8th. And I wanted to kind of bring all these elements of things that really mean a lot to me. So Dickerson Farm being one of my favorite places in San Diego – um, I do a lot of volunteer work with Kitchens for Good, which is just an amazing organization. Yeah. Um, everything that they do. So, you know, making meals for underprivileged youth while also giving jobs to yeah. people. I mean, it's it's incredible. Um, and then at the same time, being able to work with Edible and, and being able Thank to you. get these three elements that I really, really enjoy. Um, and then being able to bring Maker's Mark to that. And, yeah. and what does that have to do? So we're bringing some of the best chefs um, and bartenders in San Diego. And we're going to be hosting an event at Dirkerson Farms to raise a goal of $10,000 for Kitchens for Good. Wow, that is so exciting. Yeah, so we're, we're nice. thrilled on that. Um, we have some really incredible talent that's going to be coming through from restaurants like Urban Sea. Um, we also have Fort Oak, Raised by Wolves. Um, so just some really incredible talents in San Diego are going to be part of this. So how how should people get tickets for this event? Yeah, for sure. So you can go actually go on the Edible website. So, oh, that's whoa, right. Yeah. What a coincidence. Huh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you can check on that. Um, you can also go directly to Kitchens for Good. And then you can also um, check on the link at Dickerson Farms. Um, okay. So, you know, those three incredible, like, resources. And all of those different websites will also have great just information about their efforts and what they do and just being able to figure out more events about San Diego um, and just everything that they that they do, and even need more about the event. I love that. You know, the the thing that that just really sold me on on this event is how it's bringing people together around these these really beautiful issues, like ways yeah. of helping each other, different people helping each other, and there's different things that all of us are able to do with the gifts that we have and the time and and resources. And I mean, what could be more wonderful than than a beautiful you know sunset spent together at Dickinson Farm, you know, enjoying amazing food, but for a cause that's really changing people's lives. Yeah. You know, it, it's really, um, it's a beautiful thing. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the, the artistry that, that the chefs and, and you folks are going to be bringing to the food and the, the beverages there. That's going to be, yeah, it's going to be special. I'm I can't sure. wait. Everyone that I, you know, I've talked to and I've made it really clear of like what, what passion I want to do to bring this in. And I think everyone's just really excited about that element, right? 
And, um, you know, so we're also going to be sponsoring all the produce that are going to be coming from specialty produce. Great. So with the rising cost with different kitchens and stuff, we want to be, as makers, Mark, we want to be really conscious of that. Sure. And not just say, hey, keep coming to these food festivals and things, but saying like, hey, we're aware of rising cost. Let's take some of that off you. Right. Right. To, you know, to really be able to kind of like help and give back instead of just because they're already going to be giving a lot. They're giving their time and their efforts and sure. creative. So if there's anything that we can do to help that, I think that's also an amazing thing that we can try to help and offer. And it's yet another partner, you know, Specialty Produce does so much around the region. Yeah. And for them to participate in this way, it's it's going to make the event even better and, and work better for everybody and, and all of that. That's really that's really a beautiful thing. Well, you know, one of the last things I wanted to touch on is, you know, to um, ask you to tell us a little bit more about Maker's Mark, because. Um, it's one of your many roles, yeah. but, um, you know, uh, really it's a, it's a, a, a global brand Absolutely. and the whiskey is like none other. It's just exquisite when, when you sip it, I, I, as I say, I'm not very knowledgeable about, about, you know, spirits, but, but if you know but, you like it, then uh, you can tell it's just made with love and expertise. So tell us just a little bit about Maker's Mark and what, what you all are doing, um, today. Yeah, for sure. So Maker's Mark, I think again, is just like this incredible brand when I originally applied for the position, um, I didn't know too much about it. I knew that it was like dipped in wax. And the more research I did, the more I fell in love with the brand. Yeah. That each bottle is touched by at least 64 people wow. um, before it hits a shelf. Oh. So you have people that are in the lab and you have people that are in fermentation. You have, you know, our relationship with farmers that are working on the grain um, that are distilling and then aging and rotating our barrels. So I think one of the biggest things is that it, it you know, we always say that it's a brand that's like actually made by hand, right? Uh-huh. But it's it's not a marketing thing. You go there. Um, there's two gentlemen at the distillery that are in maintenance called Jimmy and Chili, and they're the most like hilarious <laughs> Southern people that you ever meet. And, you know, even just their relationship. And then we also have someone, uh, Chris that works in, um, propagating our yeast mm-hmm. that has three kids that work at the distillery and a grandkid. Wow. So when you go there, you really feel like the sense of the sense of home in Loretto, Kentucky, and you drive through, you pass at least five other distilleries before you get to Maker's Mark. Wow. Um, and it's this really beautiful, special place. So I think that part of my role is is localizing the brand mm-hmm. and all the things that are amazing of what they do in Kentucky in a sense of community, in a sense of agriculture. You know, we still source our wheat and our corn from a 50-mile radius. Oh. And then that's happened since day one. And, you know, if, if a massive brand like Maker's Mark mm-hmm. can continue to support local farmers, then there's no reason why no one has an excuse to not. Right. 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 So I like, mean, really they're setting an example, but they're walking the talk. They're, yeah. they're, they're sourcing locally. Definitely. And so I think from those efforts, we also have Jason Nally, who's just one of my favorite people in the world is just an incredible gentleman, but he's our environmental specialist. So makers is on a thousand acres of land and he's in charge of like that land. Wow. And we talk about, um, you know, forestry and what we can do to really help the oak population and bringing in different landowners so they can see what we're doing to help our oak population. I didn't know about that, about that aspect of the company. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. So it's, I mean, it's really, I feel like every single, the more that I'm in it and the more that I'm there and luckily I get to go back and forth between the distillery pretty often. Mm -hmm. um, The more I continue to fall in love with the brand and see that it's so much more than, you know, a wax dip bottle and Riot's delicious. I think the meaning behind it, um, is so such a bigger thing. That is incredible. I mean, that's exactly what we do. That that's kind of why Edible exists is looking for these stories yeah. that when you just take a moment to to kind of like think about it, it it, it starts to mean a lot, you know. And um, you know, we talk a lot about about local uh, with with the stories that we look into and the the information that we provide and. And at the same time, you know, all of us at this moment in time, we're, we're global citizens. Yeah. You know, the clothes that we're wearing, the Absolutely. cars that we're driving, you know, m- much of our everyday lifestyle is an integrated part in, in the global economy. 
And at the same time, you know, wherever we live, we have the opportunities to learn more about that area. And that's that's what Edible San Diego is here for is to is to be that that resource and that that inspiration, that kind of invitation to maybe slow down a little bit and savor some of the uniqueness of San Diego County. And I just love learning more about Maker's Mark because they're doing the right thing on the land where that corn and that wheat grows. Yeah. And the families that are that have the knowledge to to make the whiskey are putting their art and their talent and spirit into that, you know, into that whiskey. And yes, it travels all over the world, but it's it's produced in a way of like integrity. Yeah, absolutely. Where it's 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 an amazing, you know, process and we've gotten the chance to try some experiments of if we did something different, if we tried to cut corners, what would it taste like? Um, and it's really cool that we've spent six years, you know, aging something that will never go to market just so the staff can understand why we don't do it that way. Wow. That's interesting. And you can tell. Oh, hundred percent where it's not, you know, it's when you can taste the difference too, it it just, it really just confirms the fact of like doing it the hard way. Uh Uh-huh. That it's worthwhile to, to, to do it the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. I think we really celebrate the inefficiencies. Why is life like that? That that like the, the, the special, the things that are most special are their their work, and they take a long yeah. time, and maybe we we can only produce them in smaller batches, you know, just by Definitely. nature of that, because of the you know it's the real oak in the barrel, or in the case of edible, you know, we we have printed pages in the Which magazine, a, yeah. and you know, I love that being able to like pick something up. Still, I mean, like the website's gorgeous, but when you pick up something and it means a lot to be able to like flip a page, I think right. that's a lost generation. So I think there is something for if someone wants to take the time to go pick up something or take the time to make something or write, you know, there's something really beautiful that's that's in it. I think that we're all kind of spiraling around this really kind of crazy world that we're in right now. And yeah. I think we're all kind of coming back to a home place of taking our time. Yeah. So I love yeah. that when you said like part of like what you do in edible is to like slow things down. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's doesn't That's that sound beautiful. good? So like right now I'm visualizing, okay, like having a glass of Maker's Mark yeah. <laughs> um, next to my reading chair tonight and then, you know, being able to to thumb through the most recent issue of the magazine or, you know, I have a backlog of books to read and things like that. But, you know, um, in all truth, uh, you know, we're, we're here to, to, you know, I think about it like this, you know, to encourage people to find ways to feel good every day. Yeah, Just oh, learning more that. about about the opportunities and, and wonderful resources and people like you that we have in our neighborhoods. And, you know, life is good. Every day is precious and yeah. it's just fun to enjoy it as much as we can. Oh, oh my gosh. That makes my heart happy. I'm like, <laughs> my heart's going pitter patter. Thank oh, you. Oh, well, <laughs> Trevor, what a, what a pleasure to have you here today. <clears throat> I look forward to an ongoing conversation and maybe sometime we could do like a, a video and you could do a tutorial like, um, Cocktail 101 for Katie. I would love that. And then, oh my gosh, you know, I could aspire I'll, to. Just you would have like, to drink it afterwards. That would part of it. That's that'd be that that'd be the part of the assignment. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I could live with that. All right. All right. It's I a deal. Appreciate you. All right. Deal. <laughs> Great. Well, Trevor, thank you so much. And um, switch gears here for just a minute with Trevor here in the studio, and he's going to hear my my funny little cooking tip for the day. Oh. I, yes, I do this at the end of each podcast. And, you know, I, I try to cook at home as much as I can every week just because it's it's healthy and it's fun and it's creative. And so as I was thinking about what kind of um, tip to share today, I, um, I was thinking of a few uh, meals that happened over the holidays. So here's a scoop. We all probably at this exact moment in time have a jar of salsa in our kitchens. Absolutely. Don't you think? You know, it's Definitely. in the it's in the pantry or the fridge somewhere. And I just want to tell everyone that that jar of salsa is your friend. Okay. 
So we all think of salsa as, um, you know, an easy snack like the dip, to, you know, for chips or whatever. But I wanted to just suggest that you think about it in a new way. Okay. And this is a way where um, it makes it just a little bit more likely that after a busy day of work or a long, you know, active weekend, um, we can just be able to cook something delicious to eat at home and and just enjoy that time together, you know. So – what you can do with a jar of salsa is, um, if you if you like huevos from cheros, do you like huevos from cheros? I do. Okay, so oh, absolutely. A lot, of, a, lot of, we, a lot of people like huevos from cheros, and so what you can do is you get your jar of salsa and one pan to heat it up. Okay, okay. so you get that going on the stove on a really low heat, and then you have another pan and you fry an egg or two for as many people are, as are involved. And Great. you can do this ahead of time and fry up a bunch of eggs and put them in the oven and have them ready if you're going to serve like, you know, five or ten people. Yeah. I've done this. It, it, it does work. You sound like a professional. This well, no, just, you know, just someone who likes to eat and cook. But so then um, if you want to, you can include tortillas in this picture, but you don't have to. I try to, you know, minimize my carbs. So I, I do it without tortillas, but you cer- certainly a traditional huevo ranchero would, would be on a tortilla. So you've got your, your, your warm salsa on the stove. You've got your fried eggs and maybe a tortilla. And you just, you just pretty much get your serving plates out. You put you put some of the warm salsa on the plate. You put the tortilla if you're going to use it. If not, you put the egg and you garnish it with avocado, cheese, cilantro, oh. whatever, sour cream, anything you want to garnish it with. And I swear in like just a, a couple of minutes or a few minutes, you have this delicious, well-balanced meal. It's it's easy peasy. And um, if you're doing it for a group of friends, um, it, it, it looks beautiful. You yeah. know? And of course – you know, I don't mean to offend all of the, you know, the authentic um, chefs that are experts in Mexican cuisine. Of course, if we have time to make, you know, huevos rancheros in the traditional way, um, that's good in its own way. Or to go out and have a professional person prepare it, um, you know, is a different thing entirely. But yeah. but with this goal of, of trying to um, to cook at home when we can with our kids or our spouse or visitors or friends or whatever, this is just a little tip that I've I've um, – someone told me about it 20 years ago and I – I do it every so often because it really works. And just every time I go to the grocery store and try and grab a you know jar or two of salsa to have that on on hand. Um, and another another tip um, related is especially now that it's winter time, you know we think of of, of making soups or chilies. Um, and honestly, if you're a little short on time. You can take a jar of salsa and add that in the morning to a crock pot with whatever kind of protein you like, beans, lentils, any kind of meat. And 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 the salsa is is that kind of balanced flavor profile. You know, yeah. it's got the onions and the, the other vegetables in there and the tomatoes, of course. And put the crock pot on and you have dinner ready when you get home or do it on the stovetop. So – Long story short, you know, I say, you know, a jar of salsa is your friend in the kitchen because it's really versatile and it does yeah. way more than, than – Just be that, a dip, yeah. Yeah, you know, which nothing wrong with that. But anyway, that is my cooking tip for the day. I can't wait to share that with, with bartenders. When they get <laughs> off of a late night shift, yeah. we tend to eat horribly. But right. if we can just go home and like have something like that, that's so easy. And after a long shift and like – yeah. It's satisfying. It's oh, kind of got that spicy flavor. You that. get to kind of like eat the rainbow. Yeah. Know, oh, my gosh. Which is a good goal. Yeah. Who doesn't want to eat the rainbow? Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. We agree. <laughs> hey, Trevor. Well, once again, thank you so much for coming Thanks today. So what a pleasure it has been. And um, as always, I want to thank Specialty Produce for producing this po- this podcast. We are so privileged to work with them um, in, in getting the good word out there about all these good foods and and good things to drink. And lastly, I just wanted to invite everyone to check out ediblesandiego.com. We uh, we put out a beautiful magazine every three months, but we also share stories and recipe videos online every day. Um, we have social media accounts all over the place, and there's just a lot of really good information there. We do a monthly newsletter, and this year we're doing 
several events every quarter. So um, come check us out online to to share in this kind of experience with Edible San Diego. Uh, we look forward to seeing you. We thank you for listening and uh, see you soon. Thank you.